Hello, Emily. No Sophie today because she's moving house. Yeah, just what you want to do a week before Christmas. In the pouring rain. (laughs) (laughs) We have had lots of messages from listeners about Christmas and wanting ideas of how to have a better Christmas or a good enough Christmas since that perfect Christmas doesn't exist. I think one of the big things about Christmas is around expectations, because I think we have so many expectations on ourselves, on our family members, what the day is going to be like, regardless of whether you are with lots of people that you actually want to be with or whether you're with people that you sort of have to be with. I think the sort of expectation part of Christmas is a part that I guess you have power over because there are so many bits of Christmas that might be outside of your control. But if you can manage your expectations of what the day is going to be like and what you kind of want from it and also your expectations of what other people are going to be like, I think it can sort of set you on a good track. With regards to setting expectations, like set yourself to kind of winnable wins. I want to be able to have half an hour I go for a walk with my partner, or I want to be able to be in the moment for the part of the day where we open presents. So not like for the whole day, but just for a section of the day. If If you have children, I would also expect emotions to be more intense because they always are. You've got all the sort of hype around presence, but you've also got not your normal routine, all of these things that can intensify, particularly younger children's emotions. And so I would also be not surprised if you have children who, yeah, are really excited, but also cry or have tantrums. And to normalize that as part of the intensity of Christmas Day means the highs are higher and the lows can be lower as well. And to Mm. not think that it means that the day is ruined or that your child is doing something wrong or is being ungrateful, but to sort of conceptualise it as this is sort of part and parcel of the intensity that can happen on Christmas Day specifically. Yeah, that's really good because it's sort of being realistic. Your children are probably woken up four in the morning looking for Father Christmas. Yeah, ate a ton of chocolate. I ate a masses of chocolate <laughs> and had Coca-Cola for breakfast. Are you just describing our Christmas? <laughs> yes. We've had plenty of tears and tantrums at Christmas. Yeah. So in the same way as you did, the thing I was thinking about was that there's part of our brain of memory, which is to do with place, that gets ignited by sight, sound, touch and smell. So you can be my age, 64, or a 20-year-old going back home to your where your parents are, which many people do, and you can't believe why you've reverted to your seven-year-old self. And it could be your seven-year-old sibling rivalry self, or your seven-year-old who suddenly goes quiet, or your seven-year-old that is incredibly bolshy or or all of them. And we do kind of revert to our infantilized selves because of that part of our brain. And I think what would be helpful is having the awareness of that. Oh, that's why that's happening. And then having that space between the instinct to kind of jump in and fight with your sibling and take a breath and step back slow down and think, do I really want to have a fight about how long we cook the turkey for? Does it really matter? Maybe I can let them win this fight. Yeah, maybe I can step out of my role. (laughs) 
exactly and do something different but also having compassion for yourself if you can't because yeah <laughs> sometimes you just end up in that fight about the turkey and, and i think people have a lot of emotional and nostalgic attachments around christmas and traditions and that can make things complicated like definitely me and my partner you know everybody has their own christmas <laughs> and disagreements around what it should be like and i think you know so far mum we've really been talking about people who are having a Christmas that's sort of often the same. You know, for lots and lots of people, this year Christmas might be different. It might be that you're in a blended family and you've got more children with you or that you've separated from someone and you don't have your children with you for the first time or somebody you really love has died and that brings a whole different experience of Christmas when you're experiencing a loss. And so I think just to sort of acknowledge that we're talking about a kind of I don't know if the word is typical, <laughs> but to acknowledge probably not. lots of probably not, right? That lots of other people are also experiencing Christmas in a new way and that can bring its own challenges. And a new way, as you described, brings loss. So a blended family does bring more people and it does bring, you know, the love of your partner if you're coming together. But also when there's a yes to something, there's a no to something else. And change involves loss. But of course, as you said, you could be estranged from your family, you can be divorced, and this could be your first or your 20th Christmas without your kids, or you're grieving. And so for all of those versions of Christmas, you know, you have the feelings already, but they are intensified by this M&S advert version of Christmas, where everyone is cheery and happy and laughing around the, the Christmas table. And A, that isn't true. No. But also <laughs> allow yourself to both grieve and take time to feel the pain of your loss. You know, you can't fight it or yank yourself out of it. So allow yourself to name it and feel it. I don't know what you think, Em, but turn your attention to what are small things that could give you calm or give you a moment of peace that you could do, um, which maybe go for a walk with a friend, It maybe play lovely music. It may be, if it's someone who's died, it may be go to a place of worship or uh, say a prayer or poem with a candle and flowers to represent that person. Make space for the loss so that you can connect to the person that's died. Or if you're separated and divorced, make space for feeling sad that you're not with your children. Yeah, I, I agree that it's around acknowledging the loss, whatever that loss is, and also maybe creating new traditions, creating yeah. a, a sort of opportunity to do something different that may speak to like, for example, say you are experiencing a bereavement and you sort of do something that that day that that person really loved, like go for a bike ride. It doesn't have to be like going to the grave or doing something that is more obviously sad. It can be remembering them by doing something that they really cared about or eating something, cooking something that they really enjoyed. If you have children or children are sort of part of the family, blended or otherwise, also involving them and talking to them about what maybe they would like um, and how what the experience might be like for them as well, so that not everyone is going into it with a completely different mindset of what's going to happen or what we should or shouldn't do, that you've had those conversations before Christmas Day and kind of thought together as a family around what the day is going to be like. 
two really good things. One is that loss is incredibly sad, but it's also an opportunity, isn't it, to have new ideas and new traditions and also collaborate before. I think if you prepare with the adults in your life that you're going to spend time with and also the children and kind of think about it together about what can we do that does both, that recognises that this is difficult, we're not pretending or faking it, that this is all cheery because there's that awful heightened fakeness that can be so terrible to and so lonely that fakeness is so lonely (laughs) yeah so alienating isn't it but also what can we do that can give us moments of joy the other thing I thought about was going into the family there may be family members who always ask you difficult questions or make really annoying statements so why haven't you got a boyfriend are you going to have a child? Gosh, you've put on weight. (laughs) Um, And I thought it's a good idea to prepare what your answer would be. Mm. So, because I always think of the right answer five days later. Yeah, while you're awake in the middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing your family and knowing what they're likely to ask you or say, prepare yourself. And actually, I think But all of it, if you can imagine what's likely to happen and walk yourself through it in your mind first of how you'd like to respond, how you'd like to feel, how you'd like to be, that is then much more likely to happen when you do it. And our our mind is an amazingly creative resource that actually comes into play when we need it to. Another thing that you could Mm -hmm. do is if you sort of have a larger family and you have a sibling or an aunt or a cousin who you are close to maybe you could also do some sort of game around like okay I predict so and so is gonna say like I I get five points if aunt so and so says this to me and you get five points like bring humor into it yes I think that's brilliant and what I was also thinking is for people who are on their own Christmas can feel quite the expectation, I suppose, is that you're with other people and lots of people are on their own by choice and there's lots of people who are also on their own not through choice. What advice would you give to those people? There are different thoughts that come to mind. One is you could decide to do something that, it, like volunteering or going out into your community of doing something that isn't you sitting alone at home. And we certainly know that altruism, doing good for others is good for us. It's We, we always feel better. So you could decide to do that. If it's like family members that live a long way away, I would beforehand make a time that maybe you can talk to them and call them, that you know I'm going to speak to my daughter or my sister or another family member at a particular time. I have had messages from people who have no family at all, who are completely mm-hmm. alone. I don't know if you have ideas for them. I suppose it sort of speaks a little bit to acknowledging the loss, right? Like Mm. what we were sort of saying earlier around the loss of what you might want and versus the reality of what is actually happening. And then I also wonder if there's a part that can lean into not having to do all the things that you might have to do if you are having a sort of big family Christmas, like eating exactly what you want, when you want, watching all the films that you want, sort of leaning into the freedom of being by yourself, which is the sort of flip side of being with lots of other people and kind of being constricted about what the day is supposed to be like. Pajama day. If, if that's what you like. If that's um, what you like, yeah. But doing that alongside 
acknowledging whatever it is that you feel around being by yourself. Do you have any particular ideas about adolescents, teenagers, looking at their parents feeling grumpy, the pressure that Christmas can bring? First of all, what I would say is that there is a high likelihood if you have a teenager who's like peak teen, whatever you say or whatever you do, they are going to find annoying and you are going to feel like you've got it wrong. Even if you are like the perfect parent who is very understanding of their emotions while maintaining boundaries and allowing freedom while being there, all of those things that I think we know we are sort of supposed to be like as parents of teenagers, even if you do all of those things, there is a chance that your teenager won't really give a shit that you are doing those things and find you very annoying anyway, and and that you are not alone in that experience. And that actually this is part of the process of adolescence is your teenager sort of being allowed to feel those things and for you as a parent kind of having to endure it. So I suppose <laughs> that's a bit bleak, isn't it? But um, it's true. I, I think what I would say is that you are not alone. If that is your experience, you are not alone in that experience. And then if there are things that you know that you might all enjoy doing as a family, maybe speaking to your teenager first, you know, mum, I remember you working with a family and they all loved watching Modern Family together and that was something that they could all enjoy. I know there are sort of few TV shows that everyone enjoys. I think Ghosts is one of them on BBC that lots of everyone in the family can enjoy watching. I've just read in this book um, about super communicators. When you watch television in the same room, if you look at your brainwaves, they begin to connect and match each other. Whereas Mm. if you watch the same programme in separate rooms, they are discordant. Wow. I know. I think watching telly together, which is something we do a great deal, (laughs) is a companionable, but also a mind connecting behavior that is very lo-fi and has more power than we give it credit for. And like laughing together at Modern Family, you know, it does work. (laughs) Takes the pressure off everyone. Right. The other thing that I would say is that teenagers just don't want to be treated like little children. So if you could maybe have a conversation with them beforehand around, okay, we would like you to be there for lunch, to help prep for lunch and not have your phone during that time. And then after lunch, you can go off, go to your room, do your own thing. So sort of like have an adult conversation with them beforehand. And in fact, maybe not even tell them that, sort of talk to them about what they think seems fair. Say like, I would really love us to have some time as a family. What do you think seems fair? And kind of approach it, you know, from a more mature perspective before the day. Who knows how that will go? But I think you're sort of coming from a place of not just assuming that they should do the same as everybody else because they're a child. So the only other thought I had is that we can be bringing our past into the present. So if were someone who had actually very difficult Christmases because there was a lot of um, conflict, (laughs) as lots of people do, and that you never had really happy Christmases, that's embodied and that you will take that into your present, even if you're in a completely different family in a different setup now. And I think, A, it's good to acknowledge it's the ghost from the nursery. This is the past influencing you. And also try and find a narrative for that and put it to one side so that you can be more mindful and more present 
in the setup that you've got. Do you have any thoughts on that, Em? I think it sort of links to what we were saying earlier about the sort of roles you play in your family, right? Mm. It's a similar experience of being thrown into a, a script or an emotional experience that isn't in the present. I have moaned about Christmas. I mean, I sort of, I have always loved Christmas really, but also moaned about it because I get in a tears about presents and food and da da da. And now this Christmas, I have my first Christmas completely alone with my husband and Bob mm. the dog. In some ways, I'm looking forward to the peace and I'll have quiet. And I do feel sad. I genuinely do feel sad. And I need to let myself feel sad. And, and my kind of habit is to get super busy and not mm. feel sad. So maybe I need to take my own medicine and just let myself feel a bit sad too. Yes, I think it is a bit sad. And also I feel like, I wonder if there's something to do with also getting old. You know, like if you think of the sort of circle of life in a way, then there's sort of periods in the middle in your 20s where maybe, not you because you had children when you were basically a child, but for lots of people mm. in their 20s, you know, that's a time when you might do something different. And for me... I feel like we're sort of having our first Christmas really as a family. Such a lovely thing. Which is a really lovely thing. And so I guess we're sort of on the other end of that spectrum. So I wonder if there's mm. also something about full circleness of it that feels and mortality, sad. Definitely. Yeah, and mortality. Yeah. Of like, oh gosh, everyone's gone. <laughs> it's really good that you you have your lives and your children and, and making your Christmases. I think that's really wonderful. And it's what I did and it's what I want for you. And I do, I think it does forced me to face the reality of we both, your dad and I, have less Christmases ahead than we have behind. Well, a lot less ahead than we've had already. There is a kind of poignancy to that, I think. Um, But maybe in really facing the reality that there's so many less, I can really savour and enjoy what it is for what it is rather than being sad for what it isn't. Yeah. Thank you for listening to us through the year, through the seasons. And we really love doing this. Do please share the episodes with people you think would enjoy it. Rate and subscribe because that helps people find us. And we have some exciting new projects that we'll let you know about in the new year. And have as good a Christmas as you can have. Thank you all for listening and I hope you have as happy holidays as you can. Bye. Bye.